Can you really consider yourself successful in business if you're not successful in all the other areas of your life? What's the goal here? Is it to just make a profit, to just deliver an incredible product or service, to even impact people for good? Or are we also trying to have healthy relationships, have healthy families, take care of our bodies, have healthy bodies, manage the money and the wealth that we have well? What about incorporating our faith into our business if you're a person of faith? Can we really call ourselves successful if we're only successful in this one compartmentalized area of our life called business? Well, that's what today's episode is all about as we break down a concept my friend Nicholas Bailey calls being a 4D businessman or businesswoman. Uh, this is an incredible concept because I love how holistic it is. And Nicholas is in a mastermind with me. He's a great dude. He's the author of the book, The Modern Day Businessman. He's gone through so many transformations and ups and downs over his entrepreneurial journey. It's insane what this guy has gone through at such a young age. And his story is so powerful, I can't even begin to tee it up for you. So please just sit back and relax and enjoy this episode as we dive into not only Nicholas's story, but how he was able to transform himself into what he calls a 4D businessman and teach countless others how to do the same. Well, Nicholas, I'm glad to have this conversation because um, I had a blast on your podcast. So uh, especially since it's, it was a new podcast, everybody should check out God's Business. We can talk about it at the end, but it was it was awesome because we've been able to connect in the Wellspring Mastermind a little bit. And then that episode, though, was really where I felt like we got to, um, I mean, you were interviewing me, but I feel like I got to know more of your heart even in the questions you asked. I love the way you think about business. I love the way you think about life. And I love how you're leading other men in their businesses. So I've been excited for this episode. So just want to say thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, I, I actually was going through my notes the other day. I have so many notes from our episode. So I was taking notes on my phone. And so, yeah, on God's business, they can check out what you said. But even for myself, it's... It, it's pretty common now that I've been running God's business, taking notes during it because it's been so good. Before awesome. I would very rarely do it, but I remember on your episode specifically, I was going back through my notes the other day based on what someone else was saying to me. So just so you know, I was taking notes wow. and learning from you. And here's what I love about it, man, is that when I was 17 years old, I was 60 pounds overweight, lost my relationship with my father, meaning we lived in, I moved to my mother's house, didn't want to talk to him at all. And what was so interesting about it is I look at someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, very famous, has a great like autobiography, whatever the one is where you write it. I barely graduated high school. That's the other part of it. So biography, <laughs> You're right. autobiography. You're right. Autobiography. You got it. Beautiful. And, and in it, I realized that him and I were completely different yet the same. Mm -hmm. He was super self-conscious about his calves. Like this was an area of his body that was like the worst, right? And there's always going to be a worst part. Because if there's a best, there's a worse. If there's work, there's rest. But without without work, there is no such thing as rest. Without darkness, there isn't light. There's no differentiator. If you're with all high performers, there's even an average of the high performer. There's a low and there's a high end. Always, the goal is just to figure out how do you bend that curve where there's the bottom line, the average is very high. I'm sitting there, I'm reading this guy's book. At this point, I don't know I could change my situation. In one moment, one negative moment in my life, set me on a path that took me from a 3.3 GPA to 
caused me to gain 60 pounds, go completely into depression, addicted to video games. One simple little moment. And I saw that Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he would work out, he'd cover up all the best parts of his body and he would only focus on the ones that he had that he thought were a weakness. For me, I did the opposite. I wore a sweatshirt every single day, super self-conscious, would never have gotten on the show where I was at. I actually got invited to be have my own show potentially with Disney Channel. And I denied it because I was so afraid of people seeing what had happened to me, that the weight that I'd gained. Wow. So like just the fact that that self-consciousness, and I use that very, very specifically, conscious of self only. Self-consciousness mm -hmm. can often be the most selfish place that we can live. And so in this place, I saw that I covered up all the worst parts of my body. I only showed my hair. I have a lot of hair for people who don't know, like on my head looks nice. That was the only thing that I had going for me. I was super overweight and struggling with all this stuff. And the difference between him and I is that I thought I had to cover up my stuff because I didn't know I could actually change my situation. Mm. I didn't think I had any power to change. So I covered it up. How often do we do this in business? We, we talk about big dreams. We cover up our, our shame that we think we can't change our situation, but we talk about it. And he knew he could change it if he just focused on the right things. And man, one person shared with me one thing that changed my life forever that caused me to lose 60 pounds and be on the journey that I'm on now. So thank you. And for everyone listening, we can create those, what I would call a defining moment. You have inconsequential moments in your life, ones that doesn't matter if you do them or not. If you have lucky charms or you have cinnamon toast crunch, it ain't going to be that big of a difference. Then you have other ones that if you didn't show up, if you didn't listen, if you didn't hear life would never be the same. And those are defining moments. I had two of them, one for the negative, one for the positive. Our goal is to create positive ones here today. And thank you for creating a, a platform that I didn't have back then. I didn't know I could change my situation because I didn't have a podcast, YouTube, none of this stuff to be able to help me. Wow. And now we have it. So just make it to the end if you're listening. That's a powerful intro. Um, and just to your point, a testament to how almost exciting every day is because you never know if you're going to have one of those defining moments and it will come in such a off comment by somebody or a, a line you read in a book to your point or a, one of these conversations on a podcast. And very rarely will they happen. You just sitting in the normal routine of you just sitting at your house. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's grateful now that we could throw in headphones. We listen, but wow. How often does it happen around people? I it's look back people, in my life, yeah. how, how often is it with people? Yes, there's yeah. defining moments where I have a revelation all by myself. And, wow, an idea. But man, I'll tell you, I'm always chasing. I'm chasing these defining moments, the dinners. I'm literally leaving tomorrow to, to go out to Colorado Springs for Wellspring. Why? Because I'm like, I don't need to go. It's an extra thing. But defining moment. What if there's something there that could change the course of my life forever? And if I look at me staying home, what am I going to do routine? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work on my business. I'm going to come home. I'm going to do the same thing I've always done. Like, What's the better chance of defining moments that could change mm -hmm. my life forever? And I'm chasing them like a storm chaser, man. And I recommend mm -hmm. the same. I love it. I love it. Uh, so let's let's talk about your, your transformation a bit because I do think that's one of the cool things about you is, is you people can look at what an, an entrepreneur or someone that's created some success has done and they they mistakenly assume they had the vision all along. It was it was just a matter of time, even if they understand it's not an overnight success. But you've had a big transformation, and I know I, one thing I love is that you've you compare your story with uh, the story of Joseph in in the Bible. Um, so maybe can you 
Give us a bit more of the background of your story. Talk about the transformations you've had, like the low low to kind of where you are today. And, and how's that comparative to Joseph? Whether people know that story or not, it's, it's a powerful one. Yeah. And I think actually every entrepreneurial journey is Joseph's story. Yeah. Very rarely are people not having the same thing. And, and so just to cast the, the lens that there was a guy named Joseph and he actually had this like big vision. So think about everyone who's listening right now, including myself. They, he had a big vision of what he wanted to do. How often is this like how we enter entrepreneurship? We enter in and we're like, we're always going to dream big because we haven't been punched in the face yet. So we go to like our first event, we read our first book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We start going to everyone that already knows who we are. And this is the hardest part. It's like even Jesus wasn't a prophet in his hometown. Yep. And it was like, People get so familiar with who you are and the fact that they're not changing and growing that as soon as you start shifting, that starts confronting their issues and they'll attack you or they've failed before. So because of that, they're going to try to keep you safe by getting you to not go skin your knee. Oh man, I've started a business and I failed, bro. The last thing you want to do, all they're trying to do is help guide you and keep you bubble wrapped from making the same mistake as them. So all of them are with good intention. All of them are with good intention. Maybe Joseph was different. He had a dream that he's going to rule over all his brothers. He's the youngest of all his brothers. Brothers are upset. Think about it. You tell all your friends your vision, and a lot of times they don't get it. They're not going to just jump on board and go, man, I want to buy all your stuff. Here's some of our money. No, they usually watch you kind of burn. They're like, oh, we'll see. You're on fire. I get it. But we're going to kind of let you burn in the corner and see if we don't support you. Maybe you'll fall back in line. And maybe that hits with some people. And so for him, it didn't go the way that he wanted. And, and this is what happened to me. I was, I started out network marketing with my wife and I was thought I was going to kill it. I started telling people I was retired. I, I was making enough money to live for my wife and I. I got a brand new BMW. I moved into a townhome in San Diego. And I'm thinking like, people would say, what do you do? And I said, oh, it's funny that you asked that. I'm, I'm retired. I'm 20 years old, right? So I, I'm retired on residual income. And I'm in this point of like big vision. Wow, I had this vision of starting business and feel like God's on my side. And, and how could this ever go a different way? And I just remember looking at Joseph and, and Joseph, ultimately his brothers were going to kill him. Don't like your attitude, bro. Going to kill you. Uh, luckily, they actually, and I say luckily, very shallow, like he got sold into slavery. And, and so he goes from slavery. And what I love about what he did, and this is where I think the key point that I wish I would have known is that he was so blessed where he was at. He's so focused on excellence where he was at because what you're doing currently in your season that you think that is not important is going to bleed into the next season, Yep. right? It's like, if you can't take care of your health right now in a busy season, you ain't going to do it in an in, in easy season. And so this guy was prospering, he's prospering where he's a slave. It said so much so. That everything he touched, that the people above him, all they had to worry about was the food that they ate. Man, I just thought this was so amazing. He did it so well, though, that he ends up getting outed by this woman who falsely accused him and ends up getting put into jail. And so this guy's now in jail. And I'm like, bro, this so feels like what I went through. It's like failed carpet cleaner full time. I was making 19 grand, 2013, 2014, 21 grand. So I was like, after the the network marketing after. So how how did you go from a high, high, you're, you're 20 years old, crushing it on residual income. How did you get to that low point of carpet cleaning? What happened? Company went from 600 million to having some legal issues, some bad Uh, decisions, leadership changes to dropping to like 3 million revenue a year. 
So like there goes your six hundred yeah. million top line, crushing. It. And this is where my friend Brandon, that you know from Wellspring, Kalen. This is why we all connected. Mm-hmm. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, high highs to man, just getting smacked in the mouth and and losing everything and having to go beg my dad for a job. Uh, and ultimately, at the end of Joseph, what I loved about what he did is that he ended up getting literally exactly where he wanted to be, second in command of Pharaoh, second most powerful man, had a word from God that literally created tons of prosperity for that place that he was at, just as he did everywhere else he was at. And he walked in forgiveness. When his dad actually died, his brothers thought, he's definitely going to kill us. I mean, this guy, he, you know, he, he's now the most powerful man besides Pharaoh. He's definitely going to kill us. And he goes, oh, you think you sold me into slavery? It was actually God's idea the entire time. Mm-hmm. And this is where it was like, where can you reconcile the past of what you've been through knowing that it was qualifying you, right? It's like your past doesn't define you, but it refines you. And it takes hindsight 2020. But if we can know this pattern enough or listen to it enough from other people, a wise man learns from his mistakes, but an even wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. And so I, I end up, yeah, carpet cleaning for two years and really struggled, man. But even before that, like I grew up in a, a home where my parents split up when I was four. Mm. I remember them yelling at each other. I, 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 I was in, I think I was in uh daycare from zero to two and preschool from two to four and then parents split up. I'm getting dropped off at school at six 30 in the morning and picked up at five 30 at night. So I'm just like getting through the ringer. Got a stepmom who moved in two weeks later at my dad's house after my mom moved out. Oh, wow. told, oh, you can call her mom too. You know, I'm four years old. I'm like, oh my goodness. So that really built up this wild anxiety for me. So I didn't grow up in a family that had any type of Christian values or even thought about it. I mean, to the point where at my school, people said, are you Christian or Catholic? As if those are like the two only things that you can be. And I was like, which one drinks a lot of alcohol? And they were like, <laughs> they said Catholics. No joke. So, so I, and and so I legitimately, I was like, yeah, we're Catholic. So from that point on, I was like, I think we're Catholic. Cause like That's my hilarious. dad drinks a ton of alcohol and, and it was really difficult, man. I remember seven years old. I wrote my first suicide letter. Oh my Just gosh. think about that. Mm. This is something I think is really big for everyone. Since you're, since past doesn't, like I said, define us, but refine us until we reconcile this past, it, it ends up being the actual storyteller of our future. You, I can project out from people's past and know exactly what their future is going to be until they've reconciled this. Why is because your perception is reality. What you think, what has hurt you growing up, the things that people wronged you, the things that hurt your feelings, the things that shifted you and shaped you, made you uncomfortable. I guarantee those people don't even remember it. Majority of it. They didn't see it the same way. Your parents or the uncle or your grandpa, they all think that other things that they did, oh, that must, that that's the thing that screwed them up. Or that's the thing that screwed her up. And you're like, I don't even remember that because those moments weren't impactful. Oftentimes we interpret it wrong. Why? Because you're five, you're seven, you're eight years old, right? I remember hearing from my father when I was 12 years old, this was the one moment that shifted my life for the negative. I'm in my dad's house, about 1300 square feet. He has a master bedroom at the end of the hallway. The bottom of the hallway is where my room is. My dad walks through the kitchen, down three steps into the garage out the back door of the garage to smoke and drink. And that's kind of where we'd hide from my stepmom when we did it because she didn't really like it. I didn't smoke and drink, but I secondhand smoked. And so I'm sitting there and I'm following my dad and I'm like, what can I do to get my dad's approval? Mm. And man, I did this for a long time, even through coaches, 
even through mentors, they were like another uh, yeah. existence of my father trying to get his approval. I go to my dad, dad, my dad always wanted to be a pro motocross racer. He bought me my first motorcycle when I was four. Why? Because his father never bought one for him. He had to work for his. So he was going to give me the life that his dad never gave him. But also recognize that I also didn't have that lengthy desire of 20 years desiring that life. My sure. dad had been desiring this life forever. It's like coveted. And I'm like, I've never heard of it before. So how can I value it? My dad gets me my first motorcycle. So I'm 12 and I'm like, I know what it is. If I just go all in on motocross, I become the best in the world. My dad will finally love me and accept me. So I finally decide this is the time I'm going to connect with my father. Dad, we're going down the three steps in the garage. I'm sitting there and I'm like, dad, let's get a tutor. We're going on the road. Let's do this right. I promise I'll give it everything. I want to be the best motocross racer in the world. And up to this point, I'd raced my whole life. And my dad turns around. And I'm like, this is it. Like, this is the moment. And he turns around to me and he says, you'll never be the best. Wow. And it crushed me. I mm. literally went from there, man, and I uh I quit wrestling in school. I was I uh I gave up on all school. I said, What's the purpose of living? Like this is the only vision I've had in my life. And I felt that that was no longer even a thing. I moved to my mom's house ten minutes away for three and a half years plus. I never talked to my father. Unless I absolutely had to. Christmas had to go over. I remember him pounding on the door of my mom's house, knowing I was there, but I'd act like I was gone, having to hear him for hours pounding on the door, not knowing that, wow, how many people would wish that their father would go pound on the door? But at mm -hmm. the time, that's not what I was reading from it. Anger, yeah. disappointment, and man, I'll tell you, that is my reality. Did my dad mean it? Probably not. He hardly remembers that one moment. I talked to him about it. And I'll tell you what though, like at you as a person, your perception, especially as your kid is your reality. Why? Because it hurt me. So that hurt is real. Even if the, even if they sure. didn't mean it, any of that stuff. And so I failed in every area that we talked to for these men. Like I, I didn't have a girlfriend all throughout high school. Why? Because I was super insecure. Uh, I had a friend that I played music with for three years that I walked past every day, the fourth year of school, that I was so self-conscious, conscious of self only. And I believe that this is where God had initially seeded my calling of transformation to walk by her every day until one day I get a call, probably my second time I'd ever been to church. So right fresh into church, I get a call that she hung herself. Wow. And I never even, I never even thought to check in with her because I was so thinking about how do I look in my clothes if I approach her too, too much? Will she think I like her? How do I play hard to get? So I'm all thinking about myself. I thought, man, I need to rid myself of self-consciousness because I'm so conscious of myself that I physically can't pour into others. Even getting married, I got married at 20. My wife was 18. We're in a ministry school. I told you I got saved at 18. I went all in 14 different countries, miracles all over the world. I thought this is what I'm going to do. I thought, I thought that I was never going to get married. I was going to die by 30 as a martyr. That was my goal. Never get married, die by 30. Never get married, die by 30. And it's so interesting that when you submit yourself to God's plan for your life, I was married by 20 <laughs> and I just yep. turned 31 and my son's three. So I was like, wow, I'm way off on this, man. But after I got married, I'm like, I got all the things money can't buy. I've got a wife, I've got health, and I have faith.
but I have no clue how to make money. And it was so frustrating, man. And so all these areas is what makes up the four-dimensional businessman that we now talk about. And it's because I look at a business and it takes lead generation, lead nurture, conversion, deliverable, retention, resell, upsell, ascension to make money. Those are the five areas that I'm going to audit any product in our company or any company that I'm involved with. I'm going to look at those to make money. Obviously, there's tax and finance and stuff. Yet to actually produce, if you miss any of those, if you don't have retention, resell, upsell, well, then you have a churn and burn business that's not going to be as profitable. You're not going to be as sustainable because you're not going to be able to put in marketing efforts. If you don't have lead gen, like imagine we just take out the first one. Sure. But you have a great nurture sequence, great conversion. Your sales process is amazing. It's going to be GIMP. If you have no follow-up, you're going to be GIMP. If you have no sales process, it's going to be GIMP. If you don't have a product, that's you're going to be literally GIMP to like thrown in jail and snap your legs because people are going to be super upset. I thought, as a man, what is required of me to be successful? This was my first question. How can I stop dropping the ball? Like it felt like in my life I was fit. Dude, I was shredded, shredded, married to my wife. And I'm like, okay, reality check. I need to provide. So I start working on things. I get out of shape again. I go, this is the area of my life. I was 60 pounds heavier. Like I understand this. So I start picking up my health again. And it's like I was had all these different balls that I was trying to pick up, holding my arm. And every time I pick up that last one, I drop another one. And I was like, I'm not living my life playing this juggle game. So what is the baseline? And I started recognizing that if we put faith first, we have an outcome that we want and we have certain steps that we have to get there. That's number one. Does that mean that you spend the most time in it? No, people think priorities means time. Does that mean that sleep is your favorite thing in the world? Because you sleep a third of your life. I definitely invest more time with my son than I probably do in prayer every day. I invest more time in my business than I do in prayer every day, technically. And so does that mean it's a higher priority? No, it just means it takes more time. Totally different things. So I put faith, number one. Second, I actually put health. Because if I can't show up well for my family, then there's a problem there. So I actually put my own personal growth and health even above my relationship and my family. Mm. Simply so I could serve better. The intention is totally different. And then I have my family and my relationships, and then I have the company. And when I set up my goals, my priorities this way, I'm not allowing other priorities in my life to go ahead of them. And I also can set them up in a way because these are the areas that no man and no woman can outsource. Women are just smart, dude. I just had a video go semi-viral. It's got like maybe 70, 80,000 views right now. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't checked it since last night. Yet, it was just me saying that women already want balance like they want to be healthy Mm. like they wanted i mean they already do the diets they already want to have balance with the family like they already want work-life balance they're very good at doing multiple things for me as a man a lot of times it's if i could just make more money my life will be better sure i can invest in my health my family will have less stress if i just make more money life will be better and it's so difficult to get out of that rut of thinking as you're building your business the only thing that matters is the sales and the growth of the business, which then teaches your mind to get no satisfaction out of health, out of time with family. We want to stack time with family, health, and the things that you can control and the things that money can't buy to give you momentum going into your business and confidence to make that like you're already roaring like a lion when you get into it. Mm. I recognize that these were the areas that no man could outsource, and that became our focus of teaching and training men specifically how to optimize and also get around the people that can raise that average in their life. Well, I mean, you just shared a lot there, man. I mean, appreciate you opening up about 
about your past. Um, you know, a couple of things that just come to mind. Bro, and I got, and I got plenty I, of them that I make know, people I feel know. not bad, bro. I used to I tape down my nipples every day. <laughs> oh we want to open that up. I'm like, everyday scotch bro. tape. Why? I had man boobs. Super embarrassed. I was completely raw. I had blisters. Wow. Because I was using scotch tape. I didn't know that I actually invented the pasty. I was like, <laughs> if I just would have known, you bro. You should have gotten... Ten percent of those sales, yeah, but but I'm I'm totally open with that. Why? Because I want people to go, wow, that's more embarrassing than my stuff. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I you just come it. out. And, I mean, you've carried a lot of weight, right? So, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I look at a guy like you, and this is interesting. Joining the Wellspring, and so maybe this anybody can identify with this. Whether you you go into a room of entrepreneurs or successful people, you go to a conference, and and even if you're not an introvert, you can go to a conference or join a mastermind or be, become a part of a group and you're bringing right. in your insecurity, you're bringing in your fear. And so you look at these people. And so I'll look at someone like you. I'll look at all, all the people I've been getting to know in the Wellspring and go, wow, look at all these people, all they've accomplished, even the way they speak, they speak with authority and, and vision and power. And, and it's exciting. And that's why I wanted to be in the group, but it can lead you to have this myopic view of that person man, how are these people so young and crushing at such a young age? And then for me to now, even on this side of the conversation, selfishly to get more of your story, I've had some of it to go, wow, there's so much pain and so much pressure put on you so early on. I mean, you, it sounds like you lived a million lifetimes before the age of 20. It makes so much sense how much you know passion you're running hard at some of these good things because on the negative side, you probably before God completely started to heal you, you're probably running from some things. And now you're probably running towards things. And those are two very different things, but it just gives a lot of context. I just kind of wanted to thank you for bringing some of that up, but just for people listening and watching, you never know their whole story. You never know what people who are successful or not have gone through because you've had success and you've had in-betweens and up and down. But it's so much more nuanced and there's so much more richness to people's lives, both pain and joys that just really humbles you. If you just slow down and think, wow, I want to know if I could get to know this person's story because you can learn so much not only about them and how you could better serve them, but about yourself too. I think even I love these conversations because I can, it can help me even frame my own story a bit more and give me an education of my own story as seeing it through you know, your lens of the way you see the world. So just so much good there in that conversation already, just opening up. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Thank you, dude. And yeah, it's, I, I feel like I skipped a lot of the things that most people do. I didn't go to college. That was number one. I tried a semester, couldn't do it. I didn't even show up to one of the classes, just didn't see the vision. If I don't know why, this is a common thing in entrepreneurship. If I don't know why, why am I doing this? What's the point? What's this going to go towards? I don't even want to put the effort into it. So I skipped all that. I got married at 20. I skipped all the, hey, let me, maybe when I'm 27, maybe when I'm 35, I'm going to get married. No, we got married. We immediately started working together every single day. And so though I feel like there's things that I've gotten really good at, the, the baseline in which I started with, even listening right now, I've invested a ton to learn how to communicate and just to talk. Why? Because I got two things normally when I first started my business and I was starting to sell online. Number one, people kept saying, what are you talking about? That I would, I would go through my whole story. I'd talk. I, I don't even know what you're saying. And that was so frustrating to me. I hate being misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So not, my wife will tell you, like, I absolutely dislike when people don't understand what I'm saying. So I invested for like five years, tens of thousands of dollars before I, I, I think it was three years before I ever even spoke somewhere. 
that I had invested just to learn how to talk. I rented a studio 2016. I was all excited. I was feeling myself, right? I was thinking, how cool do I look walking into a studio? Like I'm going to record for my company. And there was a video camera there and it took me eight hours to film three five minute videos. I thought I was allergic to the camera. No Mm. joke. Or I thought I was allergic to food that I ate, but I actually was allergic to the camera. I literally could hear myself breathe every single sentence and I couldn't get through one sentence. I had to do one sentence at a time to record. Now I have a, just on sales training and just by itself, I have a 30 hour talk. So three, nine, nine hour and 30 minute days in a row that I can just pull up and just go for 27 hours straight, 30 hours. Real quick, I think that's a good thing to bring up because I'm teaching people to make content. I'm a big fan of video content, although blogs have served me well in the past as well, but I do well on camera. I like speaking and I've seen the power of YouTube as a search engine and lead gen tool. So it comes up for half the people are like, great, let's do this. The other half are like, Ooh, I'm not very good at communicating and they have that same fear and they have the same allergy to the camera. And I try to explain to them that it can be learned. It is, it is a skill where you can become more comfortable with it. Maybe just for a second, just speak to like that process. I know you invested money, maybe getting some coaching, but that sounds like an extreme, like I couldn't do it to now you can do it. So you're kind of more proof to what I've been encouraging people. You don't have to be a naturally gifted communicator to, to learn how to do this well. Hey friend, we'll get back to the episode in just a moment, but I wanted to give you a gift for hanging out with me today. I want to give you my 30-day online income jumpstart guide. This is a four-week checklist bullet points to go from zero audience, zero customers, maybe even zero idea of what your business should be to putting money in your pocket 30 days from now. It won't be a million dollars in 30 days, but it will be money in your pocket. You will have figured out your idea. You will have tested your idea. You will have launched your idea and taken massive action towards building a business and a life that you love. If you already know your business idea, but you've been sitting around and you haven't taken action on it, then you need this guide because it'll walk you through a four-week plan to go from where you are to putting money in your pocket in 30 days. And if you've never figured out what your business idea is and you have no followers online and no audience, it's okay. This will help you start at zero. I promise you. It's a PDF. It's fast. It's easy to read. It's not an ebook. You don't have to spend a lot of time on this. It's more about taking action and doing the right things in the right order. And it's free as my gift to you. So just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart to get your 30-day online income jumpstart guide. It's grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart. Now back to the episode. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit to that. So number one is the people that think they're good probably aren't either. And I'd be more worried about them because yeah. the thing is, is when you start the things, there's something called capacity. So I always used to talk about that capacity times climate equals current results. That you have this climate, which is like, well, who are the people that you're around? What Where's your baseline that you're starting? If you just go practice basketball, you may get decent, but you will always be handicapped by the bad habits that you learn. Always. If you don't learn the correct form right off the bat, you're going to have to unlearn that. This is why in many businesses, especially service where I come from, I came from carpet cleaning, flood restoration. Uh, That was my father's company. We wouldn't even hire people that worked with other companies because it was harder to untrain their old habits than it was to train a brand new person, which is just absolutely wild. This is my dad's thing. If they work for someone else, he doesn't even want to deal with it. I'll just fresh start someone. So number one is that baseline. Like I want to get my my current climate, the people I'm around, the information I'm around. I want to get that right so I can practice the right things. The second is capacity. 
you may come in and you may think, I'm great at writing blogs or I am terrible on video. Probably you're just about as good at both unless you put time into it and and figure out which one works for you, right? Sometimes if you write, it can help you process so that you can do a video. The benefit of doing video is it's a lot easier to create content from video down than it is the opposite. You can't sure. take a blog until AI gets better and create video content unless you do both. But you can take video content and have it transcribed into a blog and edited. So mm-hmm. that's why video is so freaking cool. So figuring out which one works for you is, is totally awesome. But figuring out, you may think I'm good at blogs or I'm not that good at blogs. I'm not that good at video. Well, you have to try both and figure out your capacity. If Michael Jordan never picked up a baseball or a basketball, he did pick up a baseball. Yeah. It wasn't as pretty. But if he never picked up a basketball or if he was born 500 years earlier, we would have never known that he had the potential to be great at basketball. But no one's great when they first pick up the ball. There's just no way. It's not like he picked up the ball and he just was so great. He had a capacity to be great, an opportunity. Here's the benefit of, of speaking, talking, and communicating is that it's something where when you back in the day, if you were had a business pre-social media, you would have been stuck to the social economic class and people of where you were at. So if you were teaching knitting, but you were in a college town, nobody would do it because nobody in that town was into knitting. If you were in the middle of the country and you sold Lamborghinis, nobody would buy them because no one could afford them. You'd have to move to a specific location for that specific market to thrive. And this is probably something Graham teaches was like, you have to have a market cap. If you're going to go into a business, there has to be people already pre-existing buying those things. So is there a market cap? And can you take a piece of that market cap, right? Coaching market cap, I think they said is like 365. They're, they're expecting it to go, I don't know, billions of dollars, yep. whatever it is. There's billions of dollars out there. So that means that you can make money in the coaching industry, in the info industry. You can make money in it because people are already spending money. You can't say anything about it. The benefit is this. If you try to act like someone you're not, there will be a certain amount of people that like that. But here's the quote that I love. Whatever it takes to get someone is what it's going to have to take to keep them. So if you get a customer, get a client, get a follower, being someone that you're not, and there's lots of people out there doing it, characters all over, they're going to have to sustain that to keep them. If they change, the cust- they're going to be like, you're, this is different. This isn't what I bought into. This is not the person that I know. Now that you have social, not only can you reach if you teach knitting how to knit a sweater, <laughs> that's your info product. There are, you can literally reach the people that are definitely into that. And the way that you reach them it can actually be through being your best self. I say best self because yourself, yeah, you're right. It's not good enough. Being your best self. How do you show up your best every single day? Giving excellence every single day. There will be people that are just naturally attracted to who you actually are. Again, there will be people attracted to who you think you should be online, how you should make videos, trying to be like this person, that person. No, just be your best self. And people will be attracted to that person effortlessly because it takes, it doesn't take effort to be yourself. And there will be certain people that are interested in that and, and where you're at in that journey. And people have seen me over the last seven years, eight years. And I can't tell you how many clients that I have now or people that buy now because they've seen just how much I've evolved over the years there. You have to be okay with being getting better. Yeah. But the thing is to get better, it takes starting now. Like, right. You have to start. Yeah. You have to start. Um, and I, I do, I do think like 
the beauty of like your point is the beauty of the type of business we can build today and and the fact that now we have access to the whole world through the internet it really allows you to the freedom to show up the way you are and that even shows up in your communication style now you can get better so you don't that doesn't mean you don't try to improve your communication you will get better the yep. more reps you put in but I, I was listening to a podcast where the guest she was she almost spoke in like a whisper and she had the softest voice and like you, you yep. had to like lean in. There was no power. She was not like this big keynote person. It was just pure wisdom, like with the softest whisper. Yep. And like, I was like, wow, that's probably how she speaks to her husband and her kids. And it's so gentle. And that's not the typical bombastic, you know, uh, person on stage you imagine and yet it works and I could get a sense of who she was and if I didn't like that I might tune her out but part of me really appreciated that and she can just show up the way she is and so I do think you can communicate the way you are I have a lot yep. of people who see I push people to YouTube and they have an idea in their mind of what a YouTuber is and I'm like that's not what we're becoming we're not becoming YouTubers we're educating on a platform so when you look at a bombastic or a sarcastic or a funny or a high energy person if that is not you that is okay you you need to bring energy you need to bring your best self but you can be you and you will attract people who like to learn from interact with and see you and i think there's more freedom and flexibility and diversity there than we're led to believe so i, I love that and I just there's a guy named seth doll by the way like he's he's a guy that i've brought in to speak to our guys he's he worked in children's ministry but has phenomenal children's books he has win-win parenting spirit-led parenting so win-win parenting is like for anyone in the world spirit-led parenting is more of a christian focus he's got i mean really i don't know any better children so like toddler above five years old etc and man he's the same way that you're talking about i brought him in to speak to our guys our men's events and then also our mastermind now i just interviewed him even and just the way he speaks is just so and i'm like trying to talk like him and there's environments right knowing your environment i've seen yeah. a speaker before who's like keynote speaks to thousands come into a small room and do the same thing run down the center and hit high oh, five gosh. everyone it's like you have you just have to know your environment know and get yeah. used to it because you look at anyone can act you look at leonardo dicaprio and and he did wolf of wall street and there's all these scenes and he does it perfect probably better than what real life was even like but it's not who he is he just is acting and it's tough to go through in business in a place where you're trying to really speak to people and help them get their best self dwelled, welled up in themselves to do something. And you're, you know, you could put a Leonardo DiCaprio on video and he could act like an internet marketer, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but man, it just takes a lot of energy to, to act. And like, like you're saying, there's different environments. I truly believe in, in getting a foundation of not bad habits. One of my mentors right off the bat, he doesn't do a ton of it anymore, but Cole Hatter, he's, he sold about 125 million from stage, did over a thousand real estate deals, phenomenal guy. I went to all his speaker teaching and trainings. Obviously, Russell Brunson has a great framework when it comes to sp speaking and selling webinar style format. Kind of also, if you go back to Joel Bauer, Joel mm -hmm. Bauer had a lot of that as well. Speaking and selling and Speaking and communicating is one of the oldest ways of marketing. So you look at Jesus, like he's got 2 billion followers and it all started from way back in the day, walking over hills and taking boats and, and riding a donkey. So it's like, this is a very old school thing with great people, but I always look at it. What's the 
thing, communication to me is the thing that is almost like the highest skill that you could ever have. Bingo. Back in the day, everyone knew your family, knew you, and you would connect with them, but education was very scarce. Education was very scarce back in the day. And, and even when it comes to info products, this is why we want to bundle info products with other things. Because education now, people can rip off your info product. They can put it on a black market. I'm sure every course I've ever created is on some black market for 10 bucks. And so how can I need to raise the value outside of just the info in the product? How can I bundle it with other things that they would that would be required, access, et cetera? But nowadays, information's easier to get, meaning you can go to college, you go to school, you can pick up books, but now nobody knows anyone. Connection to people is a very, very valuable thing. So if you can learn how to communicate, connect with people, that is a skill now that's becoming scarce. Just as back in the day, it was like, if you were... If you were pale, it meant that you didn't work outside. So that was a good thing. Now I'm like outside trying to get tan because it shows that I don't work in a cubicle. So it's like the world <laughs> shifts and yeah. changes. Same with social. Back in the day, it was all high production, high quality videos, high quality pictures. Now it's like, man, the, the top converter might be you just pulling out your iPhone and just talking to it. Yeah. And it's because vulnerability is less scarce. There's two reasons why people will follow you. Number one, because they want to be like you. That's great. That's what most people have been flexing. I think it's required. Like you've sold a bunch online. You've created all these courses. You've created companies. So because of that, I know that you have credibility. Uh, Pete was even talking about in Wellspring, we're about to go do some like masterminding. And he's like, hey, if you haven't done it, don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like just because you theoretically heard it, talk about what you've done because there's credibility there. The second reason why people will follow you is because you're just like them. So not I want to be like you, but I'm just like you. And when they hit that, I'm just like you, I believe it's even more powerful. I, I relate it almost like like Monsters, Inc. If you've seen that movie where like mm -hmm. the monsters go in the door, they scare everyone because the scare power is what actually powers all the energy of the city. They accidentally go in there and they accidentally make them laugh and it produces 10, 20 times the amount of power. And they realize like there's two different ways to get the same result. I believe that one, even in speaking and selling, there's something called positive and negative presupposition. I have like a 30 hour course on this, but um, positive and negative presupposition is presupposing upon people something either negative or positive. All of marking is, hey, you're not where you want to be. Are you here because you're not making the money you want? You're not the man that you want to be. You're failing inside of your marriage. That's all negative presupposition. The problem with that is it doesn't put people in a mental and emotional state and an identity to want to buy. Who's yeah. feeling powerful like, man, I... I'm a baller. I'm going to drop 30 grand on this thing. <laughs> yeah, it still works though. It's just the problem is that's the equivalent of the scare scream. You have the other side, which is the laugh. This is positive presupposition. You came here because you're deciding it's now's the time to change. You're an action taker. You've already actually invested. Maybe they bought a small product. Congrats. You invested in yourself. That's the type of people I like to be about. Maybe I'd use a little us versus them. Say there's other people mm -hmm. out there that look at a $7 product or a $30 product and they say, oh, they're not getting my money. But what results are they getting out there? That's the difference between you and I, right? Association. You and I, we invest in ourselves to make a difference. So congratulations. Pat yourself on the back because that's the type of people I like to hang out with is successful people like you. Positive presupposition. I'm presupposing something positive. And a lot of times the easiest way to do that is just write the negative script and then just figure Flip out what it. the positive yeah. is. And it just makes you feel better too. You're like, man, I'm actually calling people up instead of calling them out. And it's more powerful. It's like 10, 20x screen power. Yeah, make them laugh. I, I love the Monsters Inc. comparison. That is a great, a great comparison. And 100% our, our mutual friend, John Gordon, 
um, the energy bus, the power of positive leadership, uh, the carpenter, great author and speaker. I mean, there's, there's something infectious about that message and it's, it's powerful. And so many people lead with a negative, but I almost think like the twofold power of leading with a positive in your sales approach and your marketing or your communication on, on social or whatever is uh, one, it works. I think just as well as negative people are either looking for a desire or a dream or they're, you know, trying to solve a pain or a problem, two sides of the same coin. So you might, you could just as easily lead with the positive desire they have, but two, it makes you more attractive because people are attracted to positive people. And in a world that's so negative and divisive, I think the brands and the companies that exude positivity are so attractive that you just want to be associated with them to your point. There's something about, like, I want to buy this thing from Nicholas, but there's something about him that I actually want to be true about me as well. So it's weird, but maybe he's selling a a course on communication or something else. But if by buying it, I might get a little bit of the juju that he has that makes, makes me a little bit more like him. They're going to want that as well. And that's sort of a subtle play that's happening, but it's, it's not to your point, not acting like something that you think is attractive but just being positive and generous and being who you are then, you know, or who you are with a positive flair and a generosity bent, I think is going to be attractive and helpful. And, and it's okay to, to talk about the negative, just not to them. That's why I always use, I would use yeah. what would be called by definition, us versus them. I'd always talk to, to people out there that aren't the people in the room. And I'd still be addressing the things that people are just dealing with in the room or on the video. Be like, Hey, you're watching this video and you're here because you actually want to make a change while other people out there, they're probably scrolling for the next cat video. They're just looking to numb themselves from the problem. You're actually looking for a solution. So see, I I can, but probably they were scrolling through social because they were trying to numb their problem. You know, like I'm still hitting on it, Yeah, but I'm not hitting on them. Another way to not hit on them too is what you've done in this episode is showing the negative in your own story what Correct. you struggled with. So now you're like, you're calling yourself out, but they're like, I've struggled with that too. I felt that pain too. And that's so powerful right. because it, now you're dealing with empathy, but to your point, you're not having to point at them saying, do you suck in your marriage? Are you a bad husband? You can talk yeah. about how well, and I you can't market that way either, but you can tell your personal story, which is nice. absolutely. So, and right? that's so paying, powerful. You, if you're paying for ads, I've used to be like, I was really overweight and I really struggled with this, this, and this. Yep. And oftentimes I'd be able to get away with that. Whereas I can't say, are you overweight? Yeah. Are you struggling with the way that your bathing suit fits? Like you can't, you can't, can't be going that yeah. way. You can't be it's, making, it's a weird can't be making Facebook's users feel bad. So that's hundred <laughs> percent. such a, such a, I mean, it's yeah, I'm tracking. Hey, uh, dude, there's so much I want to talk about uh, before we run out of time. Though, I do want to, I do want to touch on, on this issue of family. Um, and you know, for better lack of a better term, work-life balance. And you did touch on it earlier with your priority. Um, yep. but I know, I know you and Amanda are like marriage is, is huge. And I know, um, you know, you have your son, is it Kingston? Is that your son's yeah, yeah. name? Correct. Yeah. Um, you talk to people who are struggling, whether they're already successful or are building their company to, to create flexibility, talk to them about some maybe practical ways that you and Amanda think about serving the business the way it needs to so that it can thrive and accomplish its goals and make impact and legacy, but not living a life where you're a slave to your business, but your business does serve your life and your family and your other goals. Maybe just talk about what that looks like in your life. Yeah. So one of my mentors, Cole Hatter, he had said something right when I was starting to build a business and, and at least becoming profitable. And he always said to me, build your business around your life, not your life around your business. And that really hit me. I just did a podcast intro 
probably is is out like probably episode three or four people go back to god's business and you'll hear my son in the intro because he broke into my office in the middle of the intro that i do afterwards it's supposed to be all professional and great breaks in gets on my lap is yelling and doing all this stuff and i just Roll with the intro. Why? Because I'm like, you know what? I'm building this business around my life, not my life around my business. And if I if I set that boundary, you want to put your business in its place. And boundary is so good. There's actually a book called Boundaries as well. There's a sermon by the first time I'd heard it was actually a sermon by Sean Bowles called Boundaries. Probably will pop up like 2017, something like that. If people want to listen to it rather than read the entire book. And he went through 10 things to know you need to set a boundary. And I probably struggle with four to six at any given time for years. And probably if I listen to it right now, it'd be one or two things really hit me. And so ultimately when I look at it, I really had to put things back in its place and put the priorities in place. So I, again, I consistently am writing out again, what are my faith goals? And, and after goals, I always put in process. And I think this is something very, very big um, to not grow weary. Right. Cause like growing weary is a very common thing in anything that you do if you're not getting the results. But if you don't grow weary and you continue, like you will reap a harvest. Like this is a promise. And so when I look at faith, I put down maybe a goal, maybe a relationship goal. Those are harder to define. Health goal, very easy. Business goals, also very easy. Then I want to put down daily actions that can help me hit that. So if I want to be more connected with my wife, I want to make sure I start plugging those in to my just recognition. Hey, this is a priority to me. I'm putting this thing in place. What can I do? I can write a note. I could send a text. I can plan something. I can learn love languages. These are things that I could do to reconnect again or to build connection. But how can I build it where it's an action that's controllable, not just an outcome that I can't control? Because once you get into relationships and business and all these things, there's people and you can't control people. You can only control what you do. And so if our if our satisfaction and our happiness comes from the outcome that we can't control, the money that we're trying to make, you can control the dials. You can control how many webinars you do. You can control how much money you spend on Facebook. You can control that. You can control how many DM messages are being sent out by your team every day. So track the metrics. So I have a goal. You have people like yourself that can help you build out the metrics. Well, what should I do to achieve this goal? And how can I focus daily on the action items that I'm meant to do to achieve it and check in weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly on my progress to see if anything's changed? And if the change isn't happening, then I need someone to rework the plan. Same thing with health. Yet what you're able to do at that point is to look at this is what's required to be successful because this is the thing. Even if you're wrong, your brain doesn't know. So even if someone says, if you just drink 30 ounces of water a day, you'll be, you'll be healthy. If you hit that 30 ounces, you're automatically going to feel successful. I think you mm -hmm. need to drink way more than that. Like you may be wrong. I may be drinking too much at a gallon, but man, when I hit it, it feels like I was successful that day. Because if you do not define success in a controllable action, you'll always feel one of two things. Man, I didn't do enough today. Or man, I did so much today. I don't know if I can sustain this. Yeah. You, you work out for two hours. You're like, bro, I can't sustain this. I'm going to be so sore. Did I do too much? The next day, you do a little bit less and you go, I'm going to get fat because I'm not doing enough. You, you work really, really hard one day. You're like, I can't sustain this. You miss a day of work. I didn't do enough. And it's always this constant battle. But there's two, two lies that men go through. Number one is I'm not going to make it. And then you go through maybe your stuff and they have their first six-figure year or maybe six-figure month. And and again, because once you start learning the stuff, it's like, it's hard to dial it down. 
Uh, Myron Golden always says it's easier to make a lot of money in a short amount of time than it is to make a little money over a long period of time. And so sometimes six or a year, you're like, well, I probably could do that in a month. They do that. And then you have a second fear, which is I'm going to lose it all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to mess it all up and, and all these things. So I really like to go back to controllable things. I know I can read my Bible each day. I know I can get some reading in. I know that I could give my wife a text. I know I can spend an hour of intentional time with her and my son. I know I can plug those into the calendar. I know that in the business, I can put in actual actual things to do. Hey, we want to reach out to this many people today. We're going to create this many social media posts. This is how we know we're successful, not on the outcome of the actions. We will track the outcome of the actions to see if the actions need to be changed. But my satisfaction will become, come from how do I show up in those situations? I'm going to show up my best in those. And I believe those are really, really big. You can't manufacture love. This is why you can buy sex, but you can't buy love. So that that comes through connection, right? Same with you can learn how to parent your kids. I give you tons of ex- cool tools that I've learned from Seth that I talked about that are great tools, but without the connection being being there, all the tools don't matter. There has to be intentional time to build connection and, and create love. And that and I do believe that love can be created, can be intentional, can be grown. And so focusing on that and, and doing it every single day, that's that's the best thing that I found. We've always done it together. We've built our business together. We've always checked in together. And I think that one big thing is having everyone in your life and everyone in your family will have different visions. But as a couple, how can you create one like-minded vision and celebrate each other with the skills, talents, and abilities that can be contributed to the main vision? So even if you don't work in a company together, it's like, well, people don't understand. Chaos at home, like... I've had no times where we had no help at home and it's like, it gets chaotic, man. It all contributes. So we need to celebrate what each person's role is using their skills, talents, and abilities to get to that main family goal. And as long as you can continue a line all the time, daily, weekly, every Sunday we plan our week daily, we have some type of alignment. What are you doing today? What's your intention? What are you grateful for? What are we doing today to build towards our key goal that we all have together, the key vision that we've all built, that we've morphed together? And so we're all building it together. I love that. I, I love uh, just the simple fact of controlling, the, like focusing on the controllables and defining them. I think we talk about that a lot in, in becoming successful. Like, okay, you say you want to make a million dollars a year. You have to create actions that are going to lead to that. But I have found, and it's funny because I, I recorded an episode that'll it'll already be out by the time this episode drops about some of my um, confessions of once I like reached all my goals in business that I had, where I felt I, felt I was the opposite. I was at the top of my mountain and I was like, oh gosh, I, what happens now? Like, I don't, do I just keep trying to scale a bigger mountain? I'm a, now you have the fear of losing it all because you built the whole thing. Yeah. And so you almost have to have controllable daily actions in that success period to not go crazy um, or get lazy or whatever, you know, your bent might be. And it's just fascinating how it's the same, the same thing would be helpful for either person. And you think, oh, once I reach my goals or be successful, then it'll be great. I won't have to have these control, these daily touch points, these daily actions. It's like, no, it, it, it's, you need them more than ever when you reach those new highs, because it's a weird sense of like, okay, well, what is my purpose now? What does this look like? This vague stay successful thing? What does that look like? That's so vague. So I, I, I identify with that yeah. on both when I have my and, lowest of lows yeah. and when I reach the top. You, you have earned identity and you have internal identity. Earned identity is you win the Super Bowl, you become a Navy SEAL, you become a millionaire. These are things that no one can take away from you. 
yet you can take them away from yourself. Like you can get, if you win a fitness competition, it will take you probably 90 days to look like garbage, like completely out of shape if you really try. And so it's like, that's something that needs to be maintained every single day. And I think that, you know, one of the hardest things I struggled with was my internal identity. I had no earned identity. I was a carpet cleaner and that, that external environment had defined my life. And this is where I really believe that, that faith and getting a vision on the inside of you of what you've been created to do, because I need to know where I'm destined to go so that I can have, so I can step into the identity of that person rather than the identity of my current situation. So you could either have your external environment define who you are. And I still have this try to happen. Be like, oh man, like, you know, I'll, even with my son, you know, I'll, I'll be like wearing my nice clothes and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, my son gets me so dirty. Like, should I just get rid of all of these? Because maybe it's just not my identity anymore. I'm like, no, like stop. Like this is just because this certain situation doesn't mean you have to throw out everything. And my carpet cleaning, I was like, man, I'm a carpet cleaner. How am I supposed to be successful? And I had to really capture a vision of who am I becoming and what's my true identity. And what I found is that biblically, it's very similar to what people are trying to do with like the secret and all these things is that you will always stay where you're at if your external environment defines who you are. But if you actually shift your internal environment and define who you are, then your external environment will shift to your internal. So what I did is I caught a vision of where I, who God was creating me to be. And I said, I'll trust you in this. You're saying I'm supposed to do this stuff. Literally, I just, I shifted in a day and I was like, if you're going to give me wisdom and you're going to give me direction, I'll show up on these shows like this with confidence because where I'm going, that guy would speak with confidence because he knows where he's going and he knows he's done it. But the only way I'm going to get there is if I become that guy today. And I just decided, I was like, I'll be that guy. Sounds good. I'm like, fix me. I'll be always open to correction. But man, I'm not going to show up and be like, oh, I'm just a carpet cleaner. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't belong here. How will I ever, what will ever change? So I think it's really, really big for everyone out there that's maybe starting or maybe they want to send to that next level. It's very easy to get sucked down by our past, by where we're from. I mean, Jesus even did the same thing. He goes home and no one even believes, can't even do miracles because people are like, bro, who are you? Like you were that guy that was born in a barn. Like, like he was, you know, people say you born in a barn. Like, yeah, literally he was that guy. That's still yeah. a funny joke in America. And it's like, he knew exactly who he was. So it didn't affect him. And we all have to catch that internal vision. And, you know, let's say maybe faith, you're, you're like, can't hear from God in that. Well, then start asking yourself, where do you see yourself in 20 years? Because if you can go back 20 years from now in the past, 10 years from now and redo high school, knowing what you know now, how successful would you be? Like I, I would have bought Bitcoin. I would have sold it at 67,000. Sure. Like you'd be successful. Your mind doesn't know the difference, man. Your mind doesn't know the difference between memory and imagination. Mm -hmm. You can create memories of where you're going in the future, capture, ca catch visions of it and go, okay, I'm becoming that person now. And I think that that is just one of the most powerful experiences that I had gone through was really saying, what's my true internal identity? And I'm going to make this external environment shift to that. I'm not going to keep submitting to my external environment because I lived in a 400 square foot apartment, man, with no AC, <laughs> trying to build yeah. a business out of the corner of my house, acting like it was an office. I put up a picture in my kitchen 
and I acted like it was an office. No AC, bro. It was like 110 degrees. I'm, we're doing summits, interviewing people like this. 2014, going into 2015, 2014. And, and it was like, I was acting like it was my office. I was, yeah, I'm in my office today. I'm like, no, I'm in the corner of my house. But I knew where I was going. Yeah. Like this, this has nothing to do with me. You know, it's funny when people actually get the identity, they actually grow. They stop caring about all the environment so much. Yeah. Like before I needed this stuff to confirm my identity. Now I'm like, I go to certain social situations and I'm like, man, it's crazy. I'm actually confident in who I am now mm. rather than feeling like I had to do all these things to confirm. Oh, I am cool. I am smart. I need to make sure I talk. Man. So shift that internal identity and have it shift your external environment, not the opposite. So powerful. I love it. That could be an episode in and of itself. All right, we got to wrap up here. This is a segment I do sure. in every show called the golden rule. It's very simple. Um, and there's no wrong or wrong answer, just your answer. So if your son and any future children basically forget everything you teach him, teach them, all the great stuff you and Amanda are teaching them, except for one piece of advice or wisdom that he would carry around with him for the rest of his life, somewhat like a golden rule, what would you want that one piece of advice to be that he would carry with him? Yeah, bro. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you for sure. I mean, got to set the priorities priorities first. And I know that if he does that, if it's if it's not written on stone, but the but the law is written now on his heart and he's transformed that way. Totally cool with whatever else. I know I know he'll walk the right way. So good. So, so good. Well, Nicholas, this has been amazing. So much good stuff. Um, if people want to connect with you more, um, you've got a lot going on. I know you've got your podcast. You, you sort of launched a brand new podcast, God's Business Podcast. Um, where, where else can people find you and what you're up to? Yeah, like you said, God's Business. I also had talked about that if people listen this long, we must be like best friends now. <laughs> and so if you actually go to my Instagram.com slash Nicholas Barely, so just my name on Instagram, I actually, anyone who DMs me, I'm happy to send them a book. I have a physical copy. I'll pay for shipping. I just need your address. No opt-in. You won't even be in our system unless you want to be. And, and I'm happy to send that out to you. It's called Modern Day Businessman. I go into some in-depth on a lot of the things that we're talking about as well as crazy stories. I even got lost in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night with just a surfboard and couldn't get in. And like I talked about that story. It's crazy. All the way to evacuations in Africa when I was stuck in the ocean again and everyone's on shore and I didn't know it was because of all sharks and I'm out there by myself surfing alone. So I have tons of cool stories uh, as well as if you're a man in business, I have a community. You want to be around other people like that. I have a community called the King's Brotherhood uh, and that is on Facebook and people get, it's very, very like particular. Everyone has to own a business and you know, we vet them. We probably deny about 50%, maybe a little bit more than that over time. And we have 6,000 guys in there. So happy to serve there. Amazing. Well, guys, check out the podcast, God's Business. Hit him up on Instagram if you want to copy of that book and then check out the King's Brotherhood on Facebook. Uh, Nicholas, this has been amazing. Thanks for sharing and your vulnerability and um, just excited for all the guys doing in your life, brother. Thanks, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Nicholas as much as I did. Be sure to check out his book, The Modern Day Businessman, and check out his podcast, God's Business. I was actually a guest on that show and he has some incredible interviews with people of faith if that's something that's interesting to you, people who are also running very successful companies. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day. And more importantly, I hope that you are building out a holistic 
life in all the areas and dimensions of your life that matter. Not just a successful successful business, but a successful life as well. We'll see you in another episode real soon.